Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Chris. Good morning, church family. Welcome to you here. And for those of you watching online, just a welcome to you as well. And if you're in the overflow this morning, just a welcome to you guys. So we are in the summer in the Psalms series, and it's been great so far. It's our second summer doing this series. Hope you've been enjoying it. And we're going to be today in Psalm 40, and we're going to be talking about the topic of healing our hearts. It's an amazing chapter. And so I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll place ourselves before the Lord in prayer. I also would just like to pray this morning for a missionary family that we support, uh, Matt and Lisa Weeb and their sons who are there in the Dominican. They reached out this week asking for some prayer, for some requests that they have. So I'm going to lump that in right there and pray with them and also just for God's word for us this morning as we, as we continue on in our service. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can worship you. Thank you that you are good. You are everything that we sung about. You are our Lord and our God, and we love you and we worship you. And Lord, I pray that believing that you have a word for us this morning, pray your spirit would be here now already moving and touching our hearts. We lift up Matt and Lisa and their family to you. We pray asking that you will meet their needs and provide for them and where there's been obstacles, that you will bless them right now as they head into their uh, August, the start of their ministry and school year. Would you touch them and bless them and provide for their family? We pray this in your name, God. Amen. You can grab a chair. Well, we're talking about healing on the inside talking about healing of our hearts. And it's a really interesting topic because all of us, or almost all of us, somewhere along the way, we have wounds. We have things that have really got us caught. We have sin we've been caught on. Or we have wounds and things that have damaged us. For many, it's been in childhood. For many, it's been just along the way. But no matter what age we are, we all have things that pain inside and things that we want to see God heal. And for some of us, the wounding and the brokenness in our hearts, it is something that's actually has caused our life to be very messy. We would say that there's areas where we're tangled in sin. There's areas where um, it just feels really confusing or chaotic. There's areas where we're, we feel stuck. And our life actually looks messy, sometimes uncontrollable, sometimes out of control. And for others of us, We still have things that have hurt us along the way. We have wounds inside, but we're very functional. We can manage life. We can kind of take care of this and we can manage life. But inside, maybe there's a place where we really would love to see breakthrough. We feel like we're not going hard after God in the the way we would love to. And the, the brokenness inside of us, it often feels like chaos, it often feels like, Lord, I'm going, I want to go hard after you. I'm going in the path you have before me. I'm pursuing my calling or I'm trying to pursue my calling. But Lord, I feel stuck. I feel like my, almost like my feet are stuck in mud. Or I feel like there's just chaos inside and it's hard to move forward. 
Well, here's the good news. God wants to see us healed. God wants to see us healed. God wants to see us healed for his glory. That has to always be the reason that we're being healed for his glory, not for our own kingdom. We pursue our healing as a testimony to God's mercy in our life. We don't heal by our own strength. And the amazing thing is that, is that God wants us to live an abundant life, and healing's included in that. In John 10, verse 10, it says, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I've come that you would have life and have it abundantly. And included in that is our healing, healing of our hearts. And I love John 15, 11, Jesus, to the crowd he was speaking to, he said, I've said all of these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So how many know God wants us to live an abundant life with abundant joy? And one of my favorite verses, this next verse, it has to do with the next point that we're going to put up is that, is that God wants us to bear much fruit. So bearing much fruit means that you're leading others into the same abundant life as we're advancing, as God is advancing his kingdom. And one of my favorite verses right now is John 15, 5. I was talking to a friend a couple days ago about this verse because it's so cool. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And we were just talking about how amazing is that, that he's the tree, but I get to be a branch. Isn't that good? I get to, God invites me in. And the verse says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, he or she, that is the person that will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's so true for our lives. Apart from God, we can do nothing. But let's see the truth in here. God says his will is that we would bear much fruit. So in your brokenness inside, if you feel like God, if you feel like, you know, maybe I'll be like, it'll be like this forever. Is it really God's will that I be healed? He wants you to live an abundant life. He wants you to bear much fruit. It's so true. I think of the, the healing that I've experienced in my life, the healing that God has done in my life. I think of how um, the generations before me have tried to give their kids the best. They've tried to, to give their kids the best life possible, but like all of us as parents, we have holes in us. And the generations that have gone before me, they've come out of tough places. They've had trauma and their own brokenness and difficult things to work through. And I think of the fact that it's my job, just like all of you, just like all of us, it's, it's my job to accept and to see the brokenness within my heart and to give it to God and to take responsibility for my own healing and to go on the path of healing. And I had to add my young adult years, I had to come to a point where I accepted and I could see the brokenness inside of me. I had to do that. I was filled deep down with anger. I was filled with pride, actually, too. Very broken. Very insecure. I can recall being a young adult and realizing I am wounded. Wounded seeking spiritual affirmation, seeking affirmation anywhere. I was empty. I was depressed. I recall my relationships were very chaotic. 
My emotions were, were very messy. Maybe I looked good on the outside, tried to do things in church, you know, but I can recall the emptiness in me. I was completely in bondage as well. I was in bondage to overeating. I was in bondage to lust and pornography. Total addictions. I was in bondage to that seeking of affirmation, that spiritual affirmation. Guys, wounded heart. That's me. This is my story. I think of, I think of the time that when I was married, I think of the time that I was heading out to university, I was going to just study the whole day at the library, and I buckled under the stress, and I, and I just overate, just binged. I, I can think of that day, and, and I can think of my brokenness. I can think of the time when my wonderful wife, Shar was, was pregnant with our child and the time when she needed me the most to be there and to be a strong husband and I relapsed on pornography and hurt her. Think of the times that I've been um, angry and demeaning towards my kids and my wife. Hiding sin instead of positioning myself in a, in a right way before God so I can have a right heart towards my wife and my kids. Think about the times that I've done that. I, I think of the times that I've, I have gone on my knees to confess and just say to, to my, my family, I am a bad man. It's my, it's my story, my testimony. And it didn't end there. I can think of 15 years ago being at that rock bottom place. And not that I haven't had struggles in the last 15 years, I sure have. I can't think of that rock bottom place. I remember the day back then when I fell onto the ground in complete desperation, cried out to God, and I said, Jesus, I give up. I let go. I ask you for your strength to work in me. I need you. And his glory fell on me, and he touched me, and he filled me with his spirit. He met me in that rock bottom place. He lifted me up to, so I could start the path of healing. And along the way, I've been, had many times where I've been touched by God, many times, and lots of times where I haven't, and it's just been continuing on and to just do the next thing. And it doesn't always feel like fireworks and mountaintops, right? But God has been so faithful. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know. I know we all have a story, but if whatever it is inside of you that you want healing... As a church, we want to be here for you. We want this to be a safe place for you to pursue that healing if you want it. And we love you in the Lord, and we just want you to know that you're welcome here as a place to heal. Well, let's turn to Psalm 40. You can turn there in, in the, your Bibles if you want, and it'll be up on the screen. There are uh, four, probably more though, but there's four really cool lessons on the healing of our hearts in this chapter. So we're going to jump in. So the first lesson, right in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 40, the first lesson is that God alone is our healer. We won't find healing anywhere else, even though he uses lots of things. I think of counseling. I think of uh, relationships. He uses people. He uses lots of things. But God alone is our healer. This is what David said in the first two verses. He said, I waited patiently upon the Lord. And he inclined to me, and he heard my cry, and he drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he made my steps secure. 
So this point will take probably the longest of the four lessons because it's so important and it's foundational. God alone is our healer. You see, David, he did nothing to bring about his healing. He just waited patiently upon the Lord. And waiting, here's the thing about waiting. Waiting sucks. Waiting is hard, right? But waiting is so important because one of the reasons is we need to learn deep down in our hearts this lesson that we can't fix ourselves. So we need a period of waiting to teach us that. A period where we try, we do, but it, it, we come to the end of our efforts, right? We can't fix ourselves. And waiting for our healing, waiting for the breakthrough, grows amazing character in us. It, gives us, it grows amazing things in us like, like hunger for God and motivation for God. Waiting is so important. And I don't know what healing you're waiting for. Maybe you have unforgiveness and oh, you just want God to work that out. Maybe you're waiting for a breakthrough where you are in bondage to sin and you are like, God, I'm coming back. I don't know what to do. This seems like it'll never go away. And where is this going to lead, God? Am I going to get to a point where I want to end my life? Where is this going to go? Maybe you're waiting for healing and breakthrough. Maybe you're waiting because you're infertile. Maybe you're waiting for a lost child who doesn't know the Lord or they're caught in LGBT or something. Maybe they're estranged you. Maybe you're waiting for what's going to happen because your spouse has betrayed you. Or you're just waiting for you don't know what it is, but there's chaos inside and you're confused. Here's the thing to do while we're waiting. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is active. So it's so important that while we're waiting for our healing, it's so important that we're doing the steps that God has before us. Because when the day comes that you get breakthrough, when the day comes, God is setting you free. You're getting freedom on a new level, but often that breakthrough depends on what you did with the steps God had for you leading up to that breakthrough. And I don't want to see you at a place where God's breakthrough in front of you, you didn't do anything that he had in mind for you leading up, and then the breakthrough never came. I don't want to see that. So we need to wait actively. So David did nothing to heal himself. He could do nothing but wait on the Lord. But then God showed up. David said, you inclined. And I love that inclining because we can't build our own towers of Babel going back up to reach God. He inclines to us. And you heard my cry. And we need to be heard. We need to be seen in the areas that we're hurt and in pain. That's the first step to healing is that we are hurt, is seen, and we are heard. It's so important. David said to, about God, you drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog. So when we read that from the kind of Western viewpoint, the pit of destruction, we think of a hole in the ground. And that's a good image too, because I'm stuck in this hole and I'll be destroyed if I can't get out kind of thing. That's a good image too, but that's not really what David's getting at. That's not what the Bible's getting at. The word destruction, shoan in Hebrew, it's translated as something really interesting. And please get this because it's a beautiful picture. It's translated as the roaring chaotic. 
And sometimes it's translated with water, the roaring chaotic waters. And I think it's a beautiful picture. For me it is because so often in the pain that we don't know how to heal, the rejection and abandonment that we don't know how to heal, it feels like roaring chaotic waters. As we're trying to pursue God, have you ever been there? Have you been like, I don't even know what healthy looks like? Like, God, can you just show me what healthy looks like? I don't even know. It feels like roaring chaos inside of us. So I think that's a good picture. And the pit is often used in the Bible as the depth. I know Jonah said, he wasn't in a hole, he was in a fish, but he said, you rescued me out of the depth, out of the pit. That's kind of how the Bible's describing it. And David says, you took me out of the miry clay. And the Hebrew there just means muddy, oh, the miry bog, which means muddy clay. So David was saying, I'm stuck. My feet are stuck and there's chaos inside of me. I want to run hard after you, God, but I can't. And David says, you set my feet upon a rock. So God supernaturally lifted me up and put me on a rock. Now I'm on a clean place. I'm not stuck anymore and I can run hard after God. Healing feels like that. Many of you have felt it. And many of you, my prayer is will in your life. You, you get a breakthrough of healing and you're like, whoa, I am not in chaos like I was. I'm not stuck and you thank God, and it's awesome. That's what God did for David. Our second lesson is that when God heals us, when he touches us, we can't help but testify about it to others. Isn't that true? David says this, and this is in verses um, three to five. He says, you put a new song in my heart, a song of praise to our God. And what I love is that the song isn't the only thing that's new. That's why David's saying that he is made new. He's so confident because of what he's experienced God do to touch him that he says, many will see and will fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's confident. And blessed is the man who puts his trust in the Lord and does not turn to those who are proud, to those who go astray after a lie. Because David encountered the living God. And he says, but you have O Lord, have multiplied your wondrous works and your thoughts towards us. None can compare to you. And here's the part where he talks about testifying. He says, I will proclaim, I'll tell everything you have done to heal me, but what you've done is more than can be told. That is God. See, who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's why we can't keep it inside. Third lesson is that as we're healing, we would be authentic and we would be real. That is so important. And I love this in Psalm 40, starting in verse 6 and, and this section 6 to 10. I'm just going to read 6 and the start of 7. David said, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you've given me an open ear. In other words, you've, just like the people who David said confidently, they will see and they will Fear God. David says, that's where I am. You've given me an open ear. You've got my attention, God. Burnt offering and sin offering you've not required. But what you've done in me, God, then I've said, behold, I have come. I have brought myself. That's what David says. So he's saying, I understand now. I get this picture that God, you don't want first and foremost the outward expression of sacrifice and my offering serving the Lord. You don't want that first. You want the inner expression of my adoration to you, my worship to you. 
my obedience to you. That's what you want, God. So to be authentic and to be real as we're healing, because we're all healing, whether we know it or not. So here's what I want to say. In your healing journey, don't hide. Don't get caught in this place where you feel like because of my age or because of my position or reputation or because of my experience in life, I can't bring it out. Don't get caught in that. That's a snare. That's a trap. God wants to see you healed. And if it's in there, you know what? It's in there. It is. So let's heal. Let's heal together as a family and to be authentic. And our fourth lesson is that as we're walking out our, our healing, can we do that with humility and can we do it with desperation? It's so important. In verse 11, David says this, As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. And then he talks a bit about some of his experiences. And then jumping ahead to the last verse in verse 11, David says this, As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. So David, who slayed his ten thousands, the lamp of Israel, the man after God's own heart, he continues on the path knowing that he needs God. And there's so much safety in staying in that desperation. And that's my prayer for you and for, for me that we'd stay in that, that desperation for God. So Psalm 40 has so many good lessons there for our healing. So thankful for that. And I want to ask now, I want to move on to this next, next and last part. I just want to give three practical wisdoms that we need for our hearts to heal. So the first thing we need is we need to, to flow in these three streams of love. And a lot of the gospel message is wrapped up in this. But we need to flow in these three streams of love. Love God until nothing else matters. Love your neighbor as yourself and live in the Father's love for you. This is so important that we get this. Isaiah 58, verse 8, is an amazing chapter. It talks about all of these, all these different streams. It talks about loving God, loving my neighbor, and God's love for me. And then this is what Isaiah 58, verse 8 says. It says, if you flow in those three streams, then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Wow. So I need to love God, love people, and live in his love. You need this for your heart to be healed. I think of how many years I've been pursuing that, that third one up there, the Father's love for me, and it's been so good. And we've talked about that here in our messages too. It's so important. We talk about all of these. I want to touch on the first one because for me, it's impacted me so deeply. Love God until nothing else matters. In Deuteronomy 6, and then quoted in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's this verse. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Really interesting verse. And whenever I've read that in my, in my life, I've been like, well, that sounds like the goal. That sounds amazing, but it sounds daunting. Like, it sounds like, who can do that? Like, love the Lord God with my whole heart? 
And I've actually kind of shied away from that verse because I don't really know what to do with it. And I've been on an amazing journey with God because I had this realization as I'm coming alive to God, I had this realization that, wait a minute, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, he said, go, he said, all authority on earth has been given to me. In other words, everything you need to live your life, to be healed, to bear much fruit, everything you need has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all of my commands. Did you hear that? Go talk to everybody and teach them to obey all of my commands. So if Jesus is saying that we can obey all of his commands, can we obey the, what Jesus calls the first command and the greatest command, which is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? I think we can. I think we can obey it. It's like if I go to Ikea and I buy a box of furniture and I open it up and it says, okay, instruction number one, heads up, you can't do it. It's impossible. It's like, what? The person who made the instruction manual, Jesus, calls the command to love God with all my heart. He calls it the first command and he calls it the greatest. And in Matthew 28, 18, he says, oh, go and obey all of my commands and teach everyone to do the same. Not only the most spiritual, everyone can do it. So we can love God with everything. So the next step for me on my journey was, okay, Lord, well, what, what does it mean to love you then? And I, I look in this in the word and verse after verse after verse says that my love for God is in my obedience to him. I can't live an abundant life on my own. I can't bear much fruit for the kingdom on my own. I can worship God. Yes, I can trust him. Yes, I can have faith, yes, and the Bible, but the Bible says over and over, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you obey my commands, you'll abide in my love. This is the love of the Father that we obey his commands, over and over. There'd be about 25 if I listed all of them. Amazing. And I don't know about you, for you, but for me, as I've been healing, this stream of love to love the Lord my God with all my heart, this is something that has made me come alive. Because what it means is that if obedience is my love for God, I only have to love him with my whole heart as I take the next step. Do you see that? Does that picture make sense? Take the next step and love the Lord God with your whole heart. And I asked Jesus, I said, Lord, like, why have I come alive to this? Like, I kind of thought that I would learn about your love and your affection for me and the songs that you sing over me, and I would just come alive, and that would be it. But why have I come alive also to this other side of the coin of loving you till nothing else matters? And you know what he said to me? I felt he said, he said, Chris, if all you're focusing on is, is basking in my affection for you, the focus is on you. But when you love me with your whole heart as well, the focus is on both of us. Does that make sense? And Isaiah 58 says, your healing will rise up like the dawn if you love others as well. So if you want to be healed in your heart, love God until nothing else matters. Love someone else. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew 22, when Jesus is talking about the greatest command, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the second command. And he says, it's like the first one. So it's like the first one. Not that our love for God is like my love for anyone here on this earth. No, 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 no. 
The Bible's clear. This love makes this love look like hatred. It's so strong. But the importance to obey the command, the importance to love and serve those that are right in front of my face every day, the importance of this command to Jesus is that the second command is like the first. So if you want healing in your heart, love someone. Go serve someone. Lift someone else up where they're broken. See them in their place of, of, of brokenness. Here's the second thing we need if we're going to heal in our hearts. We need attachments. So what are attachments? Attachments are the closest relationships in our lives. We've formed these and we've formed our ability to attach and to bond with people. Most of it we formed by 12 months old. And then by age six is the next major stage of development in our attachments and in life. Attachments are the closest bonds. They're closer than relationships. But here's the thing. If we have been neglected or abused in our childhood um, or along the way as well, then here's the thing that happens is that our hearts break. So, this is, so we start to see, okay, in the relationships, my heart broke. So we start to see when the Bible talks about how we're made for God and we're made for people, means we're made for relationships. And we all need to have a few close bonds in our life. Those are the attachments. So can we get this point when it comes to the healing that you want to see in your heart? We break in relationships, so we have to heal in relationships. So as you're pursuing your healing, are you doing it all on your own? Are you like, I'm strong enough for this? I can do this. Because God's healing for you is wrapped up in a gift and it's called people. It's called bonds, deep relationships. Isn't God good? And the good news is this. We can have a growing, amazingly close bond with God and with other people. This is how the Bible talks about attachments. In Matthew 3, 17, Jesus is being baptized and God is not a distant God who's like, you are so far down there, everyone on earth, and I'm so lofty up here. He looks on his son with deep affection and love, and he says, this is my beloved son. I am well pleased with you. We get a little window into the bond that Jesus and the Father have. And that's what Jesus wants for us. Isaiah 49, 15, it says this, can a woman forget her nursing child? This is the strongest love in the world. I think. I don't know if I'm right. One of the strongest loves between a mother and a child. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? God says, even these may forget, and here's his love for you, yet I will not forget you. That's how much God loves you. That's the bond he wants to have with you. And John 17, I love the whole chapter. It talks about this idea of our attachments Jesus says that I and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one and that's his desire for us that we would be one as well. So we need to have attachments. And you know, David had, I believe, broken attachments. We don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't give us all of the story, but there's three clues in the Psalms. There's a verse where David says, my parents have abandoned me. And there's another verse where David says, my brothers treat me like I'm not part of the family. And then there's another verse where David says, I was born into sin. And some scholars think that David was born and conceived outside of marriage, and therefore in their culture, he wasn't viewed as a legitimate child. 
And we get a bit of a picture because Samuel came to the clan that Jesse was in, David's father, and he said, I'm going to anoint one of your sons as the next king. And the whole clan was in fear and trembling. I believe it's because they knew that whoever was going to be anointed as king, Saul was going to be after that family and probably wipe them off the face of the earth. So they were in fear and trembling. And why is it that Jesse didn't bring all of his sons? That doesn't make any sense. He would have got the job done. He would have brought all of his sons. And Samuel looked at the sons and said, no, no. Well, that guy's tall and handsome. God says, no, 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 no. And then Samuel says to Jesse, don't you have any other sons? Like, why didn't you bring them all? And Jesse said, well, there's the worthless one. Out in the fields. Oh, so we get another little bit of a puzzle piece of the picture. David had a broken attachment on the inside. He's hidden out in the field. And then we know the story. He came and he became anointed as the king. But David, I believe, grew a secure attachment with God out in the pastures where he was taking care of the sheep, writing love songs to God, pouring out his heart to God, and even later as he was as he was fleeing from Saul and there was lots of loneliness in his life. I think in all of that, David grew a secure attachment with God. And here's the last thing that we need if we want to heal. It's real church family. So James 5, 14 to 15 says this. If you're sick, don't neglect to come to the elders and leaders in the church so they can pray over you and you can be healed. And James 5, 16 says... Yes, even though we've confessed our sins to God and he's faithful and just to forgive us, 1 John 1, 9, James 5, 16 says, we have to confess our sins to one another so we can be healed. So that means that your healing won't only be in your personal quiet time with God at home. In pastoral care, we want you to be doing that. We walk with people and try to serve and guide people as they're pursuing their healing. And we want to teach you to do it in your own time at home, but that's not the only place that you'll be healed. God is sometimes going to say, you need to go to a brother or a sister. You need to come to a pastor. And he's done that in my life so many times. I've, I've gone for dozens of hours of personal ministry in the church. I want to just end by just touching on two types of kind of wounding and pain within us that if we have these, we can actually feel pretty lost. We can feel like maybe it's not talked about a lot or we can feel like, like I don't even know what healing looks like for me. The first one is neglect. And I just want to say that if you've experienced neglect in your life at some point, we know that our parents try their best, but if you have experienced that, it's to not downplay it. Don't downplay the neglect because we know, we actually know through studies of trauma, we know that neglect plays a massive amount of damage on your heart and mind. In some cases, even more than abuse because if you've been neglected in some way, if there's some relationships that you haven't had, they haven't been available to you, if there's some needs that you have that are legitimate but they were not offered to you, Neglect often can be more traumatically damaging than abuse because in abuse, at least I exist. But in neglect, I don't exist in the affections and in the priority of 
of my attachments. And what ends up happening is we tell ourselves this lie that I'm not lovable. I'm not lovable, and that's why I was neglected. And it's within that lie, that's where the trauma exists within us. And I want to just, the second thing I want to just touch on is self-hatred. If you are gripped deep down in some way by self-hatred, I just want to say, God sees you. And I just want to say that he knows that, that you don't want to be there. He knows you're stuck. And I just want to say that he's not coming full of disappointment, ready to say bad you. He's not doing that. If you're caught in self-hatred on some level, he loves you and he's got a path of healing before you. And we want to see you healed. If we have self-hatred on any level, we can't love God with our whole heart and we can't love our neighbors as ourselves. So there's a gentle path of healing before you because if you are caught in that, or let's bring it back, if you're caught in anything else that feels like a bondage and you want to be healed, this is the thing. Jesus knows his sheep and he knows us. And you, if you're caught, it means you're the lost sheep for the moment. And he will leave the 99 to go and pick you up, to go and find you. He loves you. He sees you. You. I guess the practical steps for a message like this on healing, they would be these, and we'll put them up on the screen, is talk to someone. We all need our four crazy friends. Remember the paralyzed man who couldn't get in to see Jesus because there was a crowd? He needed four crazy friends who would lift him up, carry a guy on a mat up in the roof. How do you do that? And then break open the roof and lower him down to Jesus. Those were crazy friends. And listen, we to be healthy, we need four crazy friends. You do. We all do. Because the more isolated you are, the sicker you are. And if you're broken and you're in bondage and you want something deep down to be healed in you, you need four crazy friends. So talk to someone. The church is here for you in pastoral care. We just, we just want to walk with people. We're not here with all the answers or pretending we have them. We just want to walk with you. We just want to love you. That's it. So the church is here for you. We offer courses and, and outlets in our church as well for healing. Because God alone is the healer, we don't just take in information to be healed in our courses. We spend time at the foot of Jesus, touching the hem of his garment to be healed. We spend time deeply in prayer. And so it's 11 or 13 weeks of just connecting with Jesus. If that would bless you, we would love you to join our courses. They're available for you. Even the set free retreat weekend. Life group leaders would love to talk to you. And my last challenge is grow in the three streams of love. I just want to pray over you, all of you, and I want to pray especially over those who are here today and would say, I need to be healed in something today. So just to honor everyone and to not have people stand and feel like they're singled out, can we all, just for a moment, can we stand, please? Can I ask you to stand? Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives and an open of the prison doors for those who are bound. And this is Jesus' calling. This is his, 
his calling on the earth and in my life and in your life. So I'm going to ask you in a minute to close your eyes and to put your hand on your heart. And I'm going to ask all of us to do it just out of honor of other people not feeling singled out. If you are here today and you really feel like you need healing deep down, I want to ask you to consider this as I read this verse again. Is Jesus heaping a burden on you in your place of need and vulnerability? Is he heaping burdens on you or is he removing burdens off of you? What is the character of Jesus in my life and in your life when we need healing? Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for those in captive to bondage and an opening of the prison doors to those who are bound. So Jesus, would you touch us deep in the place where we need healing? Would you touch us? Lord, we feel stuck in some things, stuck in the mud. We feel the chaos inside of us that we don't know how to move forward. We don't know what the path is. Would you heal us, God, I pray. Lord, would you touch everyone who needs healing? And would you teach us how to walk it out as a family? Teach us how to walk it out with others and with our church in authenticity, in desperation. We love you, God. We be- I believe that as we leave here today, you'll continue to touch us and continue the work you've started. So we pray all of this, God, in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.